One day, Jesus was walking toward the Sea of Galilee. He had just left the region of, of Tyre, and a group of people brought to him a man who was deaf and who could hardly speak, and they begged Jesus to heal him. And Jesus took the man aside, uh, pointed to his own lips, and said slowly, I need you to make the effort to tell me what you need. Get yourself together. As it is written, God helps those who help themselves. Should I keep going or stop there with this story? Or do you know that that's not right? See some puzzled looks. God helps those who help themselves? Did Jesus say that? Is that even in the Bible? Jay Leno doesn't do the Tonight Show anymore, but when he did, undoubtedly one of the most popular segments was always jaywalking, right? Where he'd interview random people out on the street, ask them random questions to see what kind of ridiculous things they would say. And on one particular episode, Jay asked people to name some of the Ten Commandments. You know, thou shalt not murder, uh, you shall have no other gods before me, etc. You would be amazed how many people said God helps those who help themselves. That's one of the Ten Commandments. Now, lest you think this is some kind of like jaywalking fluke, well, they always interview like doozies, you know, of course they would have said that. The Barna Group, which is a religious polling agency, did a poll that found eight out of ten Americans believe that that phrase is in the Bible. Eight out of ten Americans believe God helps those who help themselves is in the Bible. The scarier part is half believe that it is actually one of the major themes of Scripture. One of the major themes of Scripture. Just let that, let that sink in a minute, right? That's basically saying that one of the major themes of Scripture is that we don't need Jesus, if you want to press it. So just so we're clear, God helps those who help themselves is nowhere in the Bible. And yet people, people say it, right? people repeat it, we've probably heard it, maybe we've even said it before, or at the very least lived like it was true. But as with the rest of the phrases in our half-true sermon series, it's a half-truth, and honestly, that's probably giving it too much credit. Because in my mind, this is more like a quarter-truth, <laughs> like 25% true. Because in many ways, the Bible's message is, in fact, the exact opposite of this. So may God help us lean into the real truth this morning. Let us pray. God, open our hearts and minds to your word for us this day. We pray that it would take root there, grow and transform us by your spirit so we might bear fruit for you and your kingdom. pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, scripture readings this morning, two of them, first from Psalm 121 and then from the Gospel of Mark. Psalm 21, verses 1 and 2. I raise my eyes toward the mountains. Where will my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And from Mark's gospel, the seventh chapter, beginning in verse 31. After leaving the region of Tyre, Jesus went through Sidon toward the Galilee Sea, through the region of the ten cities. Some people brought to him a man who was deaf and had, could hardly speak, and they begged him to place his hand on the man for healing. Jesus took him away from the crowd by himself 
and put his fingers in the man's ears. Then he spit and touched the man's tongue. Looking into heaven, Jesus sighed deeply and said, Epaphtha, which means open up. At once his ears opened, his twisted tongue was released, and he began to speak clearly. Jesus gave the people strict orders not to tell anyone, but the more he tried to silence them, the more eagerly they shared the news. People were overcome with wonder, saying, he does everything well. He even makes the deaf to hear and gives speech to those who can't speak. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. So the real story, as you heard, the real story, of course, is that Jesus doesn't say to the deaf and mute man, God helps those who help themselves. Jesus, as he does throughout his entire ministry, has mercy and compassion on those who cannot help themselves. The title of his very first sermon might as well have been God helps those who cannot help themselves because Jesus stands up at the temple and proclaims the spirit of the Lord is upon me because God has anointed me to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That's his first sermon. His entire ministry was that message. This healing flies in the face of the idea that God helps those who help themselves. Here is a man who is deaf, who can hardly speak. We don't know how long he's been like this, but this is not some kind of condition or situation where he can just grit his teeth and pull himself up by his own bootstraps and be okay. He probably is an outcast because of his condition, very isolated without community, Probably without a job or a trade. He was likely born this way. He needs help. He needs help from outside of himself. So Jesus doesn't ask him to meet him halfway. Jesus doesn't ask him to show a little more effort. Jesus shows him mercy. Jesus shows him mercy. Because showing compassion for those who struggle is part of the very nature and character of God. So first the 25% fall, true, then the 75% false. Many people are probably aware of the more modern day parable about the man who's trapped in his house as the floodwaters are, are rising around him. And he prays to God to rescue him. A man in a canoe paddles by and motions to the man to get in the canoe. And the man says, no, no thanks. I'm praying to God. God will save me. The floodwaters rise, force the man up to the second story of his home. A police boat comes by. The officer yells out, hey, we're going to come in there and, and rescue you. But the man refused, waved them all, saying, no, that's, that's okay. I pray that God will save me. The floodwaters rise higher and higher. And the man has to climb onto the roof of his house. And he's holding on for for dear life. And it just so happens that a helicopter comes, hovers overhead. The the rescue ladder drops down. The the rescue officer descends, reaches down, pleads with the man, like, take my hand. I'll I'll pull you up. But the man still, still refused. No, thank you. I I prayed to God that God would save me. Shortly after, the floodwaters finally um, sweep the man uh, away, and he drowned. In heaven, the man stood before God. 
and, and ask, I, I pray to you, why didn't you come and save me? And God said, I, I sent you a canoe, I sent you a police boat, and I sent you a helicopter. What more were you looking for? That's a really corny story. But the point is, we can pray, and we can pray, and we can pray, but we also have to be aware and work, too. God blesses us with brains, with agency, with strength, with wisdom. God provides other people, like a man in a canoe or a helicopter or, um, you know, someone to help advise us. But it's up to us to use them, what God places in our path. So we pray and we work. They're not mutually incompatible. I can't pray for God to give me a new job and then not ask around for the job or fill out applications, right? Like we can't sit around waiting for God to miraculously right so many of the wrongs that we're seeing right now in our nation without us seeking to do anything ourselves. God works through us. Trusting in God doesn't mean we should sit around while God magically takes care of everything. Trust and prayer lead to action. So there's a grain of truth. There's a grain of truth to the statement. However, as I said in the beginning, it is mostly and fundamentally unbiblical. Go back to the story. I find it interesting and, and very important, I think, an important detail that it says the people who brought the man to Jesus, first of all, there's people who brought him to Jesus, are also the ones who begged Jesus to heal him. He didn't beg. The man didn't. The people who brought him, they begged on his behalf to Jesus for Jesus to heal him. What if they had simply adopted the attitude or even said out loud the statement, well, God helps those who help themselves. You know, sometimes the phrase is used in that way, isn't it? As a way of avoiding our obligation as followers of Jesus to help other people. Truthfully, some people really can't help themselves. I know I experienced this truth firsthand serving as associate pastor in First United Methodist Church in Rocky Mountain. One of the things I did when I was at, when I was at that appointment was every Tuesday I would meet with folks who co- come in. I would listen to their stories. We were folks coming in for emergency financial assistance. And some of the stories are just completely heartbreaking. I remember so many, for instance, um, so many stories about, about people trapped in bad housing situations by crooked landlords who, who exploited economically challenged families by giving them a horrible place to live uh, so they wouldn't have to pay a lot for maintenance because they knew that the people had to live there or be on the street. So it's like, okay, if you don't like where you live, you can live on the street. Or someone who was previously incarcerated and was now out and was trying to make a new start trying to land that first job out of being in prison and no one giving them a chance. Right? For many who find themselves trapped in poverty or facing systemic racism or discrimination, self-help just isn't as simple as just pulling yourself up by your bootstraps. I've, I've met with people. I'm sure you've known people who are in a hole so deep that they cannot climb out without help. Maybe it's a physical need, maybe it's an emotional need, maybe it's spiritual needs. Maybe you've even been that person before. 
Scripture is perfectly clear on this, crystal clear. God has a special concern, a special concern for the poor, the needy, the oppressed, and those in crisis. So our calling, as people made in God's image, our calling is not to shrug off responsibility for helping others by claiming God helps those who help themselves. God calls us, just like God, to take special concern for the poor, the orphan, the widow, the needy, the immigrant. Jesus is concerned with the deaf man in the story. Jesus reaches out in compassion to the deaf man in the story, but so do the people who bring him there in the first place and beg Jesus to heal him. God helps those who can't help themselves through people. Here's the other big problem with the statement. It flies in the face of grace. It flies in the face of grace. Grace is precisely God's help for the helpless. I cannot save myself. I cannot fix all that is broken. I cannot heal my own soul. I mess up a lot. And though I do not deserve it, and though I cannot earn it, I've experienced time and time and time again God's rescue, God's help, God's grace. It's a gift. It's a gift from God. God's help, God's grace looks a lot different than the real origin of the phrase God helps those who help themselves. It comes from Benjamin Franklin's poor uh, poor Richard's Almanac, and he and his contemporaries actually adapted it from one of Aesop's fables called Hercules and the Wagoner. And in the story, uh, a heavy wagon becomes bogged down in, in the mud. And in despair, the Wagoner calls out to Hercules for help. And Hercules says this, Get up, put your shoulder to the wheel. The gods help them that help themselves. Imagine it if, if that is how followers of Jesus conceive of our relationship with God. Look, if I put my shoulder to the wheel, then God will respond to me and help. Or first I need to get my life together. First I need to reform my life. And then God will respond to me. That's not grace. That's not our story. And that's not how God works. That's not our story. The story of Jesus healing uh, the deaf man is our story. Because Jesus sees we need help. Jesus sees us enslaved to sin, self-centered, living in a broken state, and has mercy on us not because we deserve it, not because we did anything to earn it, but out of his sheer love for us. In other words, Jesus sees us in our helpless state and then comes to heal us. God did not call out from heaven and encourage us to, to pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. To, to get ourselves out of the mess of our own making. No, God came into the mess to pull us out. God came in the flesh in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus moved into the human neighborhood. Jesus died on the cross. Jesus rose from the dead, defeating sin and death, precisely to do for us what we could never do for ourselves. 
And so that's why we can say and affirm that Jesus is the hope for the hopeless, peace to the restless, friendship for the lonely, rest to the weary, forgiveness for the guilty, love for the sinner, light in the darkness, help for the helpless. If our need for Jesus' help is small, then our Savior is small. Friends, our Savior is not small. Jesus is great. So what does that tell us about our great need for his help? Because I've got news. We're all helpless. We all need the kindness of a Savior. We cannot help ourselves into grace. We cannot help ourselves into grace. We can only ask for it, receive it, accept it as a gift. The psalmist captures this well in the beginning of Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the hills or I look towards the mountains. Where does my help come from? From myself? No. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Our help comes from God. Our help comes from God. Here's the truth. If you haven't had one yet, you will. A time when you cannot simply help yourself. There are things, there will be things from which you cannot save yourself no matter how hard you clench your fists and grit your teeth. And you may even come to the point where you feel like you don't deserve help because you're responsible for the mess that you're in. In these, in these moments, we cry out to God for help. Call out to God for help. That's where our help comes from. And just like he did with the deaf and mute man, just like he did throughout his entire ministry, Jesus reaches down to us, draws us in and rescues us, heals us, makes us clean. Says to us, you matter. I love you and will never leave you and nothing can separate you from my love. Trust me. Trust me. Thanks be to God who helps those just like us who cannot help themselves. Thanks be to God, to the God who calls us help those who can't help themselves. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.